What's going on, everybody? Thanks for checking out episode 21 of the And One Podcast, and I hope you're having a wonderful day. Um, before we jump in and uh, get into the questions, introduce the guest, all that good stuff, uh, there's some other good stuff I want to bring your attention to down in the description below. Um, a lot of the good things that we talk about in this podcast will be referenced down there. Uh, there'll be some links and whatnot for you to check out. Um, and right at the very bottom, there's a podcast Instagram. Send us follow there. There's a podcast email, so you can uh, send us an email if you think you should be on this podcast, or you know somebody who you think should be on this podcast. Uh, and I don't have anything else to really say, so uh, yeah, let's let's let it roll. Peace. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for checking out episode 21 of the And One podcast. And today we're joined by Tejon Graham uh, of the University of Nipissing and the Nipissing Lakers, which is the men's basketball team that plays there. But he, he does a lot more than that. I'll, I'll let you know about that just right now. He actually grew up in Scarborough. Um, and this would have been his second year playing for the Lakers as a sophomore, but unfortunately, as we all know, it's almost robotic at this point. There was no season. Uh, he played at the Toronto Basketball Academy for his fifth year in high school after playing uh, at St. John Paul, the second, and who was he was actually a two-time TDC AA champion there, which is sort of like Wixa for those KW listeners. Uh, he's the co-host of the Lakers Locker Room Podcast, where he invites different athletes that go to Nipissing onto the show and kind of chats about sports just like we do here. He is also the co-founder and president of the Nipissing University Black Association for Student Expression, known as NewBase, and is the founder of Athletes for Change, which brings together um, black athlete-run um or just black student-run uh, little committees at these schools, groups, safe spaces, and whatnot. I'm sure he'll do a much better job explaining than I could in this short little time, but it's pretty cool what he's doing, and we thank him for joining us. You want to say hello, and let us know how you're doing. Hey, guys. How you guys doing? It's nice to be here. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's great to have you, and uh, I, I guess just how, how are things going lately, and is COVID, uh, COVID getting to you, or are you, uh, you pushing through? No, I'm good. You know, I just finished school about a week and a half ago, so I'm excited about that. Um, just really working on some stuff, you know, working out, trying to look for a job right now. Um, continue to work on all these different niches that you just stated before. So COVID hasn't got me down by the grace of God, so just staying positive and just pushing through everything right now. Yeah, so for, for, those, of the, uh, for those out there who don't know, uh, he was actually recommended to come on this podcast uh, by Quell Thomas, who we just had on a couple episodes ago. And when we were talking to Quell, he was saying that he'd kind of been reduced to doing a bunch of uh, body weight training at home. He's a, he's a pretty strong dude, but but yeah, it was funny, like lifting cat food and stuff in his uh in his living room. Uh, what what what's uh what's what's working out looked like for you? Just the kind of the progression through COVID and all that this year. 
Well, actually, when I started, when um, COVID started last year, I was actually fortunate enough to have my older brother who he actually bought a nice little um, home gym. So I, on, in the basement right now, we have a cable machine. We have two adjustable dumbbells that go up to 52 and a half pounds. Um, he bought a virtual skip, skip rope, um, bought a stationary bike. So we have some, we have a nice space in um, the basement. I'm able to do some stuff and I'm also looking to start biking again which is really great cardio. So um, workouts have actually been pretty good. I've actually been blessed to have some of the equipment where some people don't have equipment at all. So can't complain. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, yeah, no, it's like people are talking about day trading Bitcoin. Uh, that's the stuff you want to be day trading. The, uh, the, the price of that's been, I remember it was, you could pay. Oh, I, I don't even, I don't even want to try and remember how, how much it was, but yeah, very fortunate that you, uh, uh, that, that you have that, and um, what's have you been able to? Um, I guess have you had access to Annette? Um, Unfortunately, no. Um, just just because I've yeah, I'm in Toronto, so um, things everything's been shut down. So that's like the only thing that I haven't had access to, unfortunately. But um, like I say, you do the best you can and just stay positive and just hopefully once May twentieth comes around everything opens back up and then that the day that it opens back up I'm right back in the gym getting shots up so yeah um and so yeah I mean it's kind of just a waiting process at the moment isn't it um it, it, yeah I'm not, not not trying to not trying to take shots at uh at, 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 at anybody here any particular politicians but it it is frustrating um and I'm I'm fortunate enough to have a basketball net outside my house it's been Maybe one of the best investments of uh, my childhood, to be honest. Anyways, moving into the questions, uh, we're going to start things off with a pretty loaded one, actually. Uh, we we kind of wanted to get your general opinion on this, and then we'll talk a little bit more about what you've done at Nipissing and whatnot. And so uh, we, were, we wanted to ask, um, how do you feel about the current state of sports culture and how it relates to... Uh, racial justice and i guess do you feel that racial justice issues are talked about enough not enough sports sports culture is a safe space for that not uh just everything uh and hopefully that wasn't too loaded uh for a first question but yeah go ahead well for me personally i think um i think i i personally respect and i really appreciate how driven these athletes are in this generation you know going back if you look back at you know 30 years ago you know you didn't really see a lot of athletes who use their platform to really talk about these type of stuff you know especially with the nba and the WNBA. you know you're really seeing after the stuff that happened last year starting with you know george floyd brianna taylor jacob blake ahmaud arbor you know you really saw these different athletes really take their platforms to really talk about these type of stuff you know totally. it's it's a it's a conversation that's always been discussed but last year was the first time where people actually had the chance to really focus on what people are saying. You know, a lot of times people would say, yeah, yeah, I hear you, I'm listening. But last year was the first time people actually got to listen because when everything shut down last year, you know, there wasn't anything else to do. So when George Floyd happened on May 25th, that was the only thing that was being talked about because that was the only thing that we could see because everything else was shut down. So when that that situation happened and, you know, you see all the athletes and you saw all the protests that happened after, you really got to see, you know, 
how people really reacted to some of the stuff. You got some people's opinions were exposed if you look at different medias and other people who have, you know, political stances and whatnot. But for me personally, I just really appreciate how much the athletes have really taken the time to really talk about this stuff because I feel like the athletes realize that all these, uh, especially the black athletes specifically, when we're talking about the subject, you know, they realize that they're a person like anybody else, you know, just because they have a platform, just because they have a lot of money, that does not take away the fact that they are still a black man or a black woman in America. And it can go the same way here and, and anywhere else. Same like Chris Boucher was on the Raptors, you know, someone said a comment and Chris Boucher is like, damn, so black Canadian men or black Canadian women don't matter too, because that's another problem too. You know, Canada is a great country, don't get me wrong, but if you were to say that there's no racism or any systemic oppression in Canada, then look up your history because you're being deceived. But yeah. to basically to basically answer your question, you know, I really do appreciate how much the athletes are really using their platform. And it's honestly for me personally, it's actually motivating me because it's showing me how much I really got to use my platform and showing me how to do it. Because before all this, I'm going to be honest with you, like when George Floyd happened, I had to ask myself, you know, have I done enough? And I said no. Mm-hmm. So once, yeah. I, once I realized that I haven't done enough, I said, okay, I really got to start doing something. Because at the time when George Floyd got murdered, I was 19 going on 20. I'm about to be 21 now, but basically... At this point, I'm going so hard now, kind of to make up of 19 years of not doing anything. But yeah. it was just a great opportunity for me to open my house. And I commend all the athletes for using their platforms to talk about this stuff because it's so necessary. With with the different organizations and alliances that you have founded, do you have any specific goals that you have to, to really make a change that you have in mind? Yeah, so I'll start with my own group first. So one of the things that we're doing right now is that we're creating a mentorship program. And there's one at Nipissing right now, but the mentorship program is basically for people who have graduated from Nipissing University to current students, which is fine. But with New Bay specifically, my own group at my Nipissing University, we're really trying to focus on the mm-hmm. impact in the community. So we're really trying to look, we're in the process of starting to create a mentorship program for the high school students, because we do realize as a group that they are going to be future stakeholders at university. So it's really important that we have that mentorship piece there where we really get to educate them about different stuff, you know, there's microaggressions, you know, importance of community, diversity, all that type of stuff. In a larger scheme, you know, one of the things I'm working on right now is creating a grant for BIPOC student athletes because there's nothing of its kind. So just giving another opportunity for BIPOC student athletes to get money, um, which would be great. Another thing that I'm working on too is really creating a Black History Month thing in youth sports because they have the only thing, only youth sports initiative that's like countrywide is um, Shoot for the Cure. So Shoot for the Cure is an event for basketball that is um, raising for breast cancer, which is great. But when you look at the landscape of youth sports in general, there's nothing for Black History Month. So I'm really trying to work in on get, getting something for that. And then also too is creating an award for um, student athlete advocacy because a lot of... Um, athletes are doing amazing work and a lot of incoming athletes are going to do amazing work. So I really just want to create an award that's going to give them that recognition and really give them that platform, that spotlight to, for people to see how much work they've put in because all the stuff that all these athletes are doing is not easy. You know, a lot of some athletes I've talked to or I've heard, you know, want the change to happen, but don't want to put the work to make it happen, which doesn't make any sense because being an athlete, you know, you can't say, I want to be I want to be good at basketball, but I don't want to put the work in. Like that doesn't make any sense. It's a little hypocritical, so, isn't it? It's very hypocritical because when it's something like this, like you have to put in the work. Like we have four hundred years of systematic oppressions and disproportionate communities to make up for, so we can't 
we can't just sit home and do nothing. Like we have to put the work in, like it's needed. So those are just, that's just a, a bit of some of the stuff that I'm doing that I'm trying to really make an impact using the platform of sports. Yeah. So I guess in your experience playing, uh, just being around the game, uh, of basketball, being around any sports in general, what have you noticed, uh, as some barriers or setbacks for black athletes? And why do you think, uh, not only this grant would be um, necessary, important. What do you? How do you think it would help? What What would be the direct implications uh, of it? The um, the grant, I believe you, you you mentioned earlier. I think because when you look at you know a lot of the you know lower income community, especially specifically in um you know Toronto where I'm from, you know it's black. You know, and I saw a stat the other day. You know, like there's a lot, I can't remember it specifically, but it basically showed like a lot of people think they'll go to university in terms of who are black and then a lot of people don't end up graduating. So, and also too, because, you know, sports is not cheap, you know, and, you know, university is not cheap. So I'm just trying to really help to give um, black students or, you know, black biracial indigenous students another financial opportunity to get money because um, it's not cheap going to university. And like I say, when you look at um, all the groups that are disproportionate and communities, it's predominantly minorities and the minorities are usually typically black. So like it's just really giving that financial opportunity is really what I'm trying to do with this um grant. So I guess what you're saying is is that uh black uh black athletes I guess or just black people in general are are born with this they're they're born into a world where they're already disadvantaged whether that be um economic status or or from systemic issues um but that doesn't take away from them as an athlete or as a student so it's kind of a um, it, it's kind of trying to make amends. It, am I am I getting that right? It's not. So, it's not. I wouldn't say more so making amends. I would just say really creating another opportunity. You know, like you said, okay. when you come when you come into this world as a black person, you know, there's um, you're automatically, especially when my dad told me this when I was young. When you come into this world, you know, you're automatically have a strike just because of the color of your skin. You know, if you go to a job, you, the likelihood of you getting systematically oppressed is very high. Like for instance, we did a presentation with the local high schools, and we brought up a fact that it says black people are 12.5 more, 12.5% more likely to be systematically oppressed than any other race. That's not by coincidence. That's not by accident. You know, all these different times when we talk about, you know, systematic oppressions, you know, police brutality and, you know, healthcare and education, all this type of stuff. It's for a reason. You know, we just don't say it because we want to say it. Look up the numbers. Just look at history itself. You know, when people want to talk about, I know we're not American, but when you talk, when people want to say, you know, there's no racism in America, I'm sorry. If you do your history, America is, you know, started by racism. Like when you, you know, when you look at, you know, how it was found, you know, how they took the land, you know, away from the indigenous, you know, how there was slavery from 1619. And even when it, they got, um, they got eradicated around the 1860s, there are people who are still trying to, you know, keep slavery about, you know, oppressing black people. So yeah. it's not more, it's not more so a fact of making amends. It's more so creating opportunities that should have been there a long time ago. Yeah, no, I, 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 I like the explanation. And I, I mean, you're right. It's, it, it, oftentimes it's easy to get sucked into looking at, at America, but it's very important because this, the the notion that some people have of America and Canada being these completely different things. I mean, like look at look at how we treated um, Indigenous people, and you'll you'll start to see some parallels, and you'll start to realize that 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 maybe that that's sort of a um, culture that we had, and we're we're trying to get rid of that 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 might span across different uh, minorities other than just Indigenous people. As as it does in the U.S., as it spans across more minorities than just black people, 
Um, and, and ho hopefully I, hopefully I articulated that, um, well, and we're, we're, we're good to move on, uh, feel comfortable with that or. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, like you said, like, just look at the history of Canada itself. Like if we're talking specifically about Canada, you know, what happened with residential schools with indigenous people, you know, like they said, like, if you look at the history, like it says the point of it was to, you know, kill the Indian out of the child. And then when you look at the facts, you know, the last residential school wasn't closed until 1996. That was four years before yeah, I was, no, that's, that that's was four years ridiculous. before I was born. Like I remember when I was in twelfth grade, you know, um we were talking about that stuff and the teacher asked, you know, my religion teacher was like, you know, search up when um the last um residential school was closed. And I searched it up and I told him, I said nineteen ninety six. He's like, I was sixteen. I'm like, Yeah. So when you were in still in high school, there were still residential schools going on and like four years before I was born, just as recently as the nineteen nineties. Mm -hmm. So like I said, Canada's a great country, but if you wanna act like and be oblivious to the fact that there is racism or there has been racism in Canada's past, you got to educate yourself. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah exactly. Course. It's just, it, it's saying like, is it really that much of a, a, a stretch knowing what we know about uh, residential schools to, to suggest that similar things, um, similar attitudes and, you know, systemic problems could uh, exist with other um, minorities. And I wanted to ask, uh, do you believe that um, the uh, oppression faced or, or issues, um, in general, in general with sports culture and racial justice, you've talked a lot about it, maybe not a lot, but I guess most of your experience as a player has been with basketball. Do you feel as though some sports are better, uh, for this than others? Because I certainly believe that NBA players are given a much better platform to speak out. And it's much more encouraged than perhaps maybe like the NHL or something coming from me as a hockey fan. Honestly, I think the beauty about sports is that how diverse it is. You know, when you play on a team, you know, the beauty about sports, which I've said on my own podcast, is that you get to meet so many different people who have different backgrounds. So for me personally, like I play with every single race you can think of. Black teammates, white teammates, Hispanic teammates, Asian teammates, Filipino teammates, you know. Um, you know, Indian teammates, whatever, like I've played with every type of teammate you could think of. So I think the beauty about sports is that everyone has a platform to think about. And, you know, it's funny, too, because throughout this whole process, you know, this is the second time, like a couple of days ago, you know, someone didn't know what the word allyship meant, which was crazy to me because allyship has been used many times. But basically what I'm talking about is the fact that allyship is so important. And the fact that when a white person talks about the stuff that black people are talking about, it resonates so much more because when a black person talks about their own situation, for some people, it's like, yeah, 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 he's talking about it because it's him. But when a white person talks about it, a person who looks like you, and we're talking about the white community, you know, who shares your values, or whatever, saying, you know, this is what's going on, or Black Lives Matter, it hits different. So when you have NHL players, you know, posting, you know, the black, you know, thing for Blackout Tuesday and actually posting stuff, you know, I got to educate myself more. That resonates so much more. And I just think that sport doesn't need to be, you know, so minute and so specific towards one community, you know, anybody can talk about it because at, at the end of the day, just to make it very simple, right is right is wrong is wrong. You know, when people say all lives matters, well, yeah, all lives matter, but in order for all lives to matter, black lives have to matter too. So, and when, like I said, when a white person says it, it just, it just causes, it just brings so much more awareness and it just brings a different element to the conversation towards a different crowd rather than a black person just saying black lives matter. Yeah. I want to say something too. Uh, when we were talking about the whole George Floyd 
um, situation, how that happened a, a year ago. I think one of the things that was really impactful to me uh, as I was trying to educate, listen, just, I mean, honestly, it was, it was almost unavoidable, which is, which was kind of the beauty of it, uh, as you mentioned, but it was that seeing pictures and videos of, of, I guess it was NBA stars that I probably saw marching with people, um, in peaceful protests. And there was just some, there was an authenticity about it where it wasn't like, Hey, look at me, a picture of me, like at the protests, like with like, hashtags and whatnot, like, Hey, like I showed up, like. It wasn't about that. It was they were walking with everybody else. And it it wasn't about, I guess, just saying that they went. It was about actually being there. Um, and that authenticity really, it, it was really impactful for me. It made me realize that it, was, it wasn't just, I, I mean, like you said, it wasn't just like, oh, yeah, we're listening. Um, we're making a change. It it was they were actually doing it it, it wasn't, wasn't just like it, that yeah. it wasn't like that school protest at the city hall that everyone goes to because they want to skip their last two classes like they actually cared about it oh exactly they, i don't know yeah. if you ever I, I don't know if you were ever a, a part of that but that was a <laughs> that was just, that was basically just like a half day for uh for us high schoolers a couple years ago <laughs> earth day report, yeah. i don't even remember <laughs> what the protest was about to be honest i just remember everybody left school I th- I think it just came comes to a point where, for a white person specifically, just saying that I'm not racist or I have black friends is not enough. You know, when all these corporations were making all these symbolic gestures, for example, like Aunt Jemima being changed to something else because of its link to racism, it's not enough. You know, posting a black square for Black Eyed Tuesday and saying hashtag Black Lives Matter is not enough. You like, I think it's really important. Honestly, I feel like this whole time it really kind of exposed where people stand. I've said that a lot of times, you know, people, it really showed people's characters and it also really showed how people really think because it really showed, are you really for the cause or are you just trying to be in with the in crowd? You know, are you willing to put yourself out there? Are you willing to go to protest? Are you willing to actually take the time to educate yourself to really be a part of the change? Because anybody can be a part of a hashtag, you know, campaign. Anyone, anyone can post a, a, a black square on June 2nd for Blackout Tuesday. But are you actually willing to be at the forefront, educate yourself, talk about these type of conversations like you and I are having right now to really make a change. If you're not if you're not able to do that, honestly, save the hashtags, save the Blackout Tuesday post because I'm not here for it because honestly, we don't need it. I don't want fake sympathy. I don't want to keep continuously hearing, yeah, 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 we have, you have my support. Well, if you, if you have support, then I need you to be in the front lines and when I give you opportunities to help, I want to see you help. If you really want to support, like I said, when I give you the chance, I need to see you support. Yeah. Um, did you have a vision for something like New Base before the George Floyd killing? Or, no? No, honestly, it, honestly, New Base actually wasn't my idea. Um, what happened was after George Floyd got murdered last year, um, so George Floyd got murdered May 25th, um, our school, my school didn't come out, didn't put a statement out until June 3rd, and it was very controversial. So one of the excerpts was, although racism is top of mind, we're also reminded that this month is Pride Month and National Indigenous History Month. So you hear that and it's like, okay, look, what does this have to do with the situation that just happened? What does this have to do with with police brutality, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, right? It was just really, Nipissing at the time really missed the mark and they really missed the opportunity to really like make it like a sound statement, right? Like, so basically when that happened, you know, my co my co-captains are head of, basketball operations who were all going to their fifth year and sixth year respectively you know we came together so you know let's just start a group like i said it wasn't my idea 
And the reason why they appointed me president was because I have three more years. So to answer your question, mm-hmm. no, I actually I actually didn't think about starting group before this. And I think to add on that too, I think the beauty about the pandemic is it gave us a whole year to really plan and really make sure that everything's good because had all this stuff happened and we were in season and everything's back to normal, I don't think New Base would have ever came about because I don't think we would have ever had the time to really set the proper foundation. So I think that was the beauty about the pandemic in terms of making a negative situation to positive is the fact that it really gave us a chance to really create this club and give a platform to the minorities at Nipissing Universities and those who generally want to support. Yeah, no, we, we hear similar things from a lot of our, our guests, uh, specifically just that COVID gives time to stop, reflect, uh, try something new. Uh, and, and we appreciate the, the work you're doing and it's, it's just great to hear um, about all of these stories. Um, I was wondering a little bit about um, how the branching out of the club um, is going and if, if that's I, I guess if that's even a, a goal of yours and specifically what what the intentions might be there yeah so like you said so like i founded um, an alliance called athletes for change so athletes for change is an alliance that is comprised of newly formed bipox athletic groups across ontario so my goal is to make it nationwide within the next year but my first goal because i'm in the OEWAS, to make sure that i have all at least I, my goal i would like to have all 20 schools in the alliance in terms of have a group, but obviously as most as possible. So basically uh, my goal was really to find a way to connect with all these people because obviously Instagram and social media has been a really big platform. So I, I've obviously seen that other schools, you know, there are athletes like myself who are really passionate about this stuff and decided to create a group. So I wanted to find a way to create a community support to make sure that we can all come together and work together. Because I think when we have multiple minds joined together, I think our platform and our voice and our purpose just becomes so much greater. So I just really wanted to find a way to branch out, connect with the right people, network to get these initiatives done. And I was able to do that on the March 27th, which was our first meeting. And we actually had a couple of meetings since we actually had a meeting yesterday as um, we're recording this podcast. So we had a, the meeting May 1st. Okay. Um, so basically, it was just an opportunity to really meet other people who were passionate like myself, because there's a lot of things that I wanted to do. But I obviously know in life you can't do anything alone. And honestly, I don't want to do it alone. I really wanted to meet people that were passionate like myself, who resonate with me, who share the same goals and have the same vision like me. And also, too, who could add, bring something else to the table. Because there could be some things that I want to do that I never th- might be a different way of doing it. Or there might, they might bring some ideas that they're planning on doing that I never thought of. So, like I said, just really coming together and just bring creating that community support and bridging the communication gap is going to play is going to play a huge role in the next year and moving forward for um, athletes for change. Yeah. And um, one thing I noticed, like, for example, in the NFL, when, when cap took that knee, like the, the NFL pretty much just canceled him. He was done. He hasn't played since then. Have you had any sort of pushback when creating these alliances or has it just all been support? I've been, um, I've been very blessed to, Looking at it now, I've been very blessed with how easy it's been for me because I fortunately have been able to connect myself with the right people who can actually help me um, make this happen. You know, it started off with me connecting with uh, Coach Lee Anahose, who's the head coach of the women's basketball team at St. Francis Xavier University in um, the AUS, in the, the Maritimes. Right. And she also 
founded a, a non-for-profit called the BCCA, which stands for the Black Canadian Coaches Association. So I'm also the BIPOC student liaison for that as well. So I've been really connecting with her and really, she really helped me put some of the stuff together and helped me give me some ideas. Also, I've worked with Corey Grant, who's um the offensive coordinator for McMaster's football team. He's also a former CFO player. So looking at it now, I've just been really for blessed to have, you know, like I said, network with the right people to really make stuff happen. I've met with a lot of great people and people who can help to make stuff done. I think the only pushback that I had actually wasn't with Athletes for Change. It was actually with my own my own group at Nipissing in the sense of when we when I created the Lakers Lock, when I took over the Lakers Lock Room podcast, it was originally called the Lakers Podcast at Nipissing, and myself and my other teammate, who also co-hosts with me, we rebranded it to the Lakers Locker Room. And the only pushback I had was, we created a promo video for it. So basically, the stuff we're going to talk about, you know, COVID-19, mm-hmm. sports, social justice at the end. And, you know, at the time, you know, we got an email saying, you know, um, there are some people who expressed concern around content or wasn't sure that this was a an official um, podcast. If you have any questions, please email. So I emailed them the next day. Then up until I met with them, I didn't meet. I didn't hear from them for three months. So I think that was like the only pushback I've really had. But other than that, there hasn't been much. And like I said, I've just been really blessed to been to have met the right people and I'm continuing to meet the right people who can really help me push this thing forward. And sorry, what do you what do you mean when you say uh, official? Were were they concerned that uh, the views expressed on the podcast might not? align with the uh with the views of nipsing university or yeah exactly what you just said like that's literally word for word what you just said is exactly what the situation was and it was confusing because last year the people who originally did it the ones that graduated that the ones that we took it over from they actually had the president of the university at the time dr mike Deganya, on the podcast so you would think that once the president of the university comes on the podcast you would think that oh it's an official podcast but all of a sudden, now that we took it over, all of a sudden there's confusion in, uh, about the content and, you know, all these things come about. It's just like, you know, you, you start to wonder, you know, what is the actual problem? Because you, cause like I said, I said in the promo, we're going to talk about COVID-19, sports and social justice. You start to think, you know, if you just put COVID-19 and sports, would there be a problem? But then you see that social justice part, mm-hmm. the, then uh, the disclaimer has, then the disclaimer might have to be put into place. So it really yeah, just got me thinking like, okay, why is there a problem all of a sudden? And if that's such a case, when you told me to email you, if you have the concerns, I emailed you back to have a transparent conversation because right, we're at university now, right? This is not like 15, 16 year olds. Like these are 20, 21 year old, we're grown adults, right? We can actually have a civil conversation and actually hash it out. So that's what I was really looking for when I emailed them back was that transparency of it. Okay. What's the actual problem here? And like, how can we nip this in the bud before we drop any episodes? And this is before we dropped an episode. Like we didn't even drop an episode yet. We only dropped the promo. Damn. And they Crazy. were, they, they, they messaged my, me saying, you know, put this disclaimer in the bio and some people express confusion. Like it just, it just completely threw me off a, a guard for sure. Yeah, um, and it's it's funny, right? Like you said, I said it word for word. You hear enough, like, I, I don't know, copyright lingo, um, administrative lingo, trying to protect their own beliefs, and you just know exactly what it's going to be like, right? You, you know, there's going to have to be a disclaimer saying that views expressed don't don't align with this and that and whatnot, and it's, it's just kind of hilarious, right? It's like you have the president of, um, I, I believe you said the, the president of the university on, how can you not... Yeah. How can you have them on and say, "Oh, well, these don't express the opinions of the university." It's 
We were talking to like the top administrative official. Oh, he is the university. With the university. Much, and right? sorry, I, I understand that that he had been on the the podcast previously. Um, and so yeah, I, I agree. It is a very uh, I guess we could say funny coincidence that as soon as you take it over and add in that part about uh, social justice, that so they have to be careful with all that. Um, do, is that is that necessarily a, a bad thing, or was that just kind of like like I guess quote unquote pushback? Is it important for you to to have it? Uh, be an official view of the Nipissing University? Or are you okay being sort of just an independent thing run out of just that area and not necessarily with the university? I'm someone that really is, I really believe in saying, you know, you pick and choose your battles. I think something as so microscopic and so as something so small like that, I don't think it's something yeah, exactly. I should really focus on. Right. Um, I just think, I think honestly, it really helped to have a conversation because eventually we did have a conversation with those same people. Right. And it went really well. Cause you have to remember too, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can be mad. You can be frustrated. Like we can swear and all this stuff right now, but like we're still at an institution, right? Like these are still people's jobs. Yeah. They're old enough. Right. So we still, as my co-captain said it perfectly, we have to come correct. Like you can't just go into a room, you know, bombard them, say all these type of stuff, saying what the bleep is all this type of stuff. So like I said, I think that's the only pushback I really had throughout this whole process but it, it's it was so small i think by at this point like it's kind of been squashed and it's something that i don't think it needed to linger yeah. especially since the conversations that we were having were needed in my opinion i think they were necessary for the audience to hear and it, and i think the only thing that kind of disappointed me was i you would think that they would trust you enough to know that we're not going to say anything that's going to be belligerent and disrespectful towards the school and it's going to bash the school right like i just think that they would think that I'm smarter than that to know that if I'm going to take over this podcast and represent the school in the name, I'm not going to do anything to bash my own school. Like only an idiot, you know, would, would do something like that. But like I said, it was squashed. Um, pick and, I picked and chose my battles. I didn't think that was a really bad need to fight because it's not that serious. I could care less if it's an official podcast, as long as I'm able to do it and I can have the conversations that need to be had respectfully is all that matters to me. Yeah. Um, were there were there any like no names, but were there any like professors or people who work there that voiced their opinions on it and like kind of stood with you or maybe even stood against you? Um, they the actually there's actually um the CRA so or or the kind of there's like a a racialized caucus so basically it's um um teachers that or professor Nipissing who are like minorities. Yeah. So we we've actually met with them a couple of times. And actually, no, they've 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 supported us. They actually want to work with our group. Um, they well, when I told them what happened, like obviously they're like upset. Like I just said, like I said, pick and choose your battles. So yeah. in terms, of, so I've actually the professors I've actually been really supportive. Um, also too, like you don't see everyone's opinion just because um we ha- I haven't been back to the campus since like November nineteenth. So um, but from what I've seen, it seems like all the professors have been really supportive of new base and like what we're going to do. So I would say the support from the professors and the faculty has been really good, actually. All right, cool. Um, uh, what I'm thinking right now is why don't you let everybody know um, what your kind of goals are uh, briefly for the, the uh, different groups that you're running, co-founding, being the president of presidenting. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll make that a word. And uh, and with your basketball um, career, I guess funny, funny, uh, funny calling it um, a career when 
when we're all so young, right? But um, but just kind of how how you see that uh, playing out. What are your goals with uh with all that? And then I'll ask you the final question, and we'll we'll call it a day. I think, I think for me personally, when it comes to writing these clubs, I feel like my my personal goal is just to continue to evolve and grow as a leader. You know, how can I continually um grow and evolve where I can really like lead? Because um. On my own team, you know, like I said, I was a rookie um, my first year. Obviously, I wasn't leading anything. I wasn't trying to lead anything. So I just think for me personally, a personal goal for me is just to continue to evolve as a leader. You know, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to have to learn some hard lessons, maybe the hard way. But I think as long as I continuously allow myself to be open to making mistakes and allowing other people to, you know, critique me if I need to fix this or do this or whatever, I think that's really important for me. And just for a large scheme of things, I just really want to continue to, I think the most important thing for me is to continue to be an example that if you put your mind to something and if you really want to impact change, you can do it. Especially where I'm from, from Scarborough. I've said this many times, 10 years ago, you couldn't say one person that came out of Scarborough said, oh, that's, do, that's, you know, that's doing amazing things. You know, If you're a rapper, for example, like you could definitely say, you know, oh, Drake, you know, from Toronto, I can look up to Drake, you know, Drake's doing all this type of stuff or Tory Lanez, if you're from Brampton or whatever, right? Or Nav. Um, for me, from Scarborough, you know, in terms of like, and there's not really anybody from Scarborough that's like doing something amazing that that's black or looks like a black person or whatever, right? So I just think that the most important thing for me on the grant scale is to really continue to be an example for other people from Scarborough and show them, you know, it's it's possible, you know, you can come from Scarborough. You can come from where I came from. You can have my story, go gone through trials and tribulation, and you can still create change, and bring other people together to create change with you. So, I just think that's that's the most beautiful thing about this whole opportunity for me is that I can really impact people and not even know who they are, and not even see at the moment like what the impact is gonna entail because I got three more years of university, right? And who knows how much people I can impact, or who knows how many more opportunities I can get just by doing this. So I just think that's going to be the most important thing for me is just continuing to evolve as a leader and just continuing to be the epitome of black excellence and just showing people from Scarborough who look like me that you can lead and you can create change in the on the biggest of stages. I mean, our final question is, why do you do the work that you do? And I feel like you just answered it uh, before I even got there. That that might be a that might be a first on the N one podcast. Would there uh, with, with that question in mind, would there be anything you'd you'd add to that? Because I I honestly don't know uh, what what to, what what the prompt would be. I think no. I I also that too. I think another reason why I do what I do is because I really want to. The biggest word about this whole process has been accountability. You know when all these when all this stuff happened last year you know especially with universities and statements and whatnot you really saw who was quicker to respond than others and you know accountability has been a word that's been used a lot because on different on different levels there has to be accountability you know the big thing about the the Derek Chauvin murder or excuse me the Derek Chauvin verdict the Derek Chauvin verdict excuse me was that account there was accountability you know Derek Chauvin was being held accountable for his actions accountability brands breaches like you know or branches out to different things though know, police themselves um you know the system um teachers you know administrative staff whatever i just think that the reason why i do what i do is because i really want to be able to hold these people accountable you know 
especially when you look at the OUA, for example, you know, all these others, there's certain schools that are really doing more than others to really impact change. So if the school wants to say, um, you know, um, we got to see what the other schools are doing or we don't know how we can do it or we want to support, but we don't know where to go about it. Well, my purpose is to show them, listen, there are other schools that are doing stuff and actually trying to make stuff happen. What are you doing? And I think that same that simple question, what are you doing, branches out to not just schools. Like I said, it can be even yourself. Like you can, like I said, I have to ask myself, what are you doing? Like I have to look at myself in the mirror and say, what are you doing? Are you doing enough to impact change? You're a black person. You know the stuff that's been going on because your parents have educated you about the stuff. What okay. are you doing about it? So I just think that the simplest thing to sum it up basically is that I want to hold those people accountable but simultaneously be able to hold myself accountable to hold them accountable, if that makes sense. So basically, like I said, just making sure that I'm in the right position and I have the right, you know, surrounding. And that I guess I have an opportunity to really just, like I said, educate myself on what other schools are doing, what other people are doing, what other um, processes are being created, just so that if anyone wants to act, you know, complacent or, you know, be lazy or try to hide from the fact I can say, listen, there are other people doing stuff. You need to get your act together. So I think that's just been the simplest way to put it for why I do what I do. It's just, I want to be able to hold myself accountable to hold other people accountable. Yeah, it's, it's well put. And we like to leave this final moment, uh, final few minutes of the podcast. Uh, just give them back to you. Uh, if you want to, shout anything out let people be aware of anything uh we can put whatever you want down in the description for people to check out but but yeah just just uh for for anybody listening you want to let them know uh what what they should be uh, aware of well yeah so definitely um listen to my podcast the lakers locker room it's at lakers locker room on instagram um definitely follow the athletes for change instagram page at underscore athletes for change altogether and yeah, that that's basically. Oh, also, I also do run my own um side business called TG Mix Production. So basically, that entails creating highlight tapes for basketball players and youth sports. So definitely follow that too at TG Mix Productions. And yeah, I think that's I think that's everything. I've said everything else. Okay, and did you say TG Mix Productions was a uh, was that a YouTube channel or an Instagram account or? So it's an Instagram account. I okay. also do have the I do also do have a YouTube channel for that, but it'll be in um the link is in the bio. Thanks for giving us your time uh, tonight. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely have all that down in the description below. And thanks to anybody who is still listening. Uh, We'll see you again next week. So uh, yeah, peace. Peace.